Welcome to the Wealth Edit Podcast, a place where talking about finances is only polite. We talk to women and hear the stories behind how they've built their beautiful lives, whether that be inside or outside the home. Join us every week as we talk ambition, determination, and success with some of the most interesting, powerful women in the Southeast and beyond. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wealth Edit podcast. We are so excited to have Kelsey Ogletree on today. She's actually, this is actually her second time around because I told her I apologize. And we had her on a few months ago and lost the recording. I think it's the first one that I ever really lost, but um, thank you, Kelsey, for being on. Kelsey is a writer, a pitching coach. What else do you do? A content strategist, She's the PR guru. She has been so kind with her time, which is how we got to know her because with the wealth that Lauren and I are always struggling to keep up with on everything PR and Kelsey has been a wealth of information and so generous with her time. So thank you so much for being here today and for being on the wealth edit. Of course. I'm excited to talk with you again. Yes. So Kelsey, maybe if you can just... we like to ask our guests this, but we start at the beginning. Like, how did you even, how did you get to where you are today? Sure. Well, I grew up in, on a farm in Montana. That's where my parents are from and still live there. And I graduated with a degree in broadcast journalism, thinking I wanted to go into being a TV reporter, anchor, or something like that. And decided after graduation, I really wanted to pursue magazine journalism instead. So I applied to grad school at Northwestern's Medill University and um, went to grad school in Chicago, um, sight unseen, moved to the city, had never even been there before and packed up and um, went to do the graduate program there. And that was really like a huge point in my career where I really, you know, was became really passionate about journalism and the magazine world. And at that time, um, things were really shifting into the digital space. So it was just a really pivotal time, I think, in media um, about 10 or so years ago and was really excited to get into that space. So I spent um, a couple of years working at McKinsey and Company, um, working on their quarterly business journal as an editor. And then I moved to Atlanta and was managing editor of a lifestyle luxury magazine there um, before moving over to a travel focused publication, um, which was where I did both print and digital stories. And I worked in that job till I think late 2017. And one day I got, went to work and got laid off very unexpectedly. So um, I decided to take a leap of faith and try to freelance for a little while. I always thought that was something I would do later in my career um, and kind of had that choice made for me. So I started freelancing and really found my stride in about a year, I was, you know, making more money than I had on staff and really having so much freedom in my career to write for the publications I wanted to about stories that I wanted to do, you know, meet really interesting people and and tell stories about them. Um, So that was really fun. And I, and I did that. um, I mean, I still am doing that and I'm still a freelance journalist writing for publications like Wall Street Journal, AARP, Real Simple, Southern Living, a lot of different print and digital outlets around the country. Um, But what really was a turning point for me in my career was in 2020, early in the pandemic, um, I had started a newsletter for publicists to read about learning, you know, how to work with journalists. And that was about 
think that I started that in 2018. And a couple of years later, when the pandemic hit, I found that my audience was all asking me, you know, like, what are we supposed to do now? Like, how are we supposed to continue pitching? What's happening in media? So I decided to do a random Zoom call and I just put it in my newsletter that I had started. And I said, does anyone want to jump on a Zoom call? Um, we're going to do it tomorrow. And I figured like my mom and maybe like my people would join. And I had a hundred people sign up, which was crazy. Um, and so that was my first foray into kind of putting my broadcast degree to work. And I didn't even have a Zoom account at that time. Like I, I figured it out overnight. I was trying to figure out the registration and it was kind of crazy. Um, but ended up in this position that I didn't expect to be in of like leading these Zoom calls with publicists, um, kind of trying to guide them through like what was happening in the media space and positioning myself as a, you know, so-called expert, kind of fake it till you make it, I guess, <laughs> um, kind of teaching them, you know, what was happening and from a journalist perspective, what they should be doing during that time. And that really evolved over the next year to um, leading workshops where I would bring on other freelance journalists to share their perspective because, I never wanted to be the center of attention. It wasn't about me. It was about like sharing the collective knowledge of journalists across the board, because um, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners know too, like freelance journalists all have different perspectives on things. There's no one size fits all. And so that was really important to me to start bringing in different voices. And I guess, you know, fast forward a couple of years down the road, um, my husband and I decided to really make this, you know, a business. And so we launched a new company called Pitchcraft um, in December 2021. And what that is, is kind of a, a platform for building community and relationships with journalists. So our members are primarily independent publicists or publicists who work for small agencies or in-house with brands. And they have month-to-month -month or yearly memberships to our software platform um, where they get access to weekly interviews with freelance journalists, um, live discussions with editors, um, a lot of resources related to e-commerce, pitching, um, an editorial calendar, a publication database, all kinds of different resources we've built out to really help make their jobs easier and really focus on prioritizing relationships over transactions. Um, so we like to say, you know, we help people build relationships and not lists, um, you know, less of the database, database approach and more of the personal approach to pitching and getting covered in the media. And we were really excited in December, 2022, we relaunched our platform on a completely custom built software platform. Um, we now have a, a small team of developers we work with and um, have been growing and have clients who are members from all across the country, which has been really exciting, just helping them, you know, get really meaningful placements and telling their stories for a wide variety of outlets across the country. I love that. I, um, I think that's the one thing we met Kelsey at a conference called the Southern Sea. And that was really the first time I went. And when we met you, that was my main takeaway on your panel is just you know, having that relationship, if you're a small business owner who has a product that you want to present to the world, you know, there's so many competing businesses and you did such a nice job of, you know, just really focusing on that relationship. So to those people that are listening that are small businesses, what are some of the best ways to create a relationship with uh, an editor or a publication that you may dream of being featured in? Yeah, the first thing I would say is to be really targeted in your outreach. 
I think it can seem as a small business owner really daunting to reach out to a dream publication. Maybe it's House Beautiful or maybe it's Southern Living or Garden and Gun or something like that. Um, I would say make sure you're reading the publication you want to be featured in and that you're really choosing someone off the masthead that would be the best person to reach out to. Um, one thing I think people make the mistake of doing is going right to the top and saying, okay, I'm going to interview the editor-in-chief of whatever publication it is. Those editors and chiefs are overseeing a lot of the business operations. They're not involved in day-to-day -day pitching. They're not going to be responding to emails from small business owners about stories. Um, so you really want to look for someone like an associate editor or an assistant editor, or maybe even start, you know, if you aspire to be in a print issue of something, start with the digital team because the, you know, availability for stories digitally is basically unlimited versus print is very limited. So um, you just have a much greater opportunity of potentially getting a story in a digital side of your dream outlet first before print. Um, and as far as, you know, connecting, like the second thing I would say is just don't be afraid to do the outreach. I think a lot of people get nervous that they're not going to say the right thing or they're not going to, you know, they only have one chance and they're going to blow it if they don't get it perfect. That's not true at all. Um, you know, journalists and editors get so many emails every day. If you send something that's like totally left base, um, there's a good chance that no one's going to even see it or remember it. And it doesn't ruin your chances of emailing them again. And I think, um, one of my colleagues at the Southern Sea presentation said, like, even if you sent the worst email of your life, like there's still going to be someone an hour later who sends one that's worse than yours. So just don't be worried about, um, you know, that. And as far as like the content of your email, you know, Keep the subject line short and simple to the point, like say why you're reaching out and just in a couple sentences, like this is who I am. This is what I do. This is where I based. And, you know, here's what makes me different and why, um, you know, I might make a good story for your publication. Um, and that's kind of just like the very basics, but, you know, just a, a quick intro and taking the time to reach out, include a link to your website or your social handle so they can check out more about you um, is a really good place to start. I think that I, I love the idea of the relationship. We were actually just talking to um, somebody, uh, somebody that we have just were bringing on to work with another client. And, you know, she was like, how do y'all meet all these people? Like, how are y'all getting done what you get done? And I said, you know, honestly, a lot of what we do is just meeting with people, just not being afraid to say, you know, if we like meet them at the Southern Sea, so many women have been so gracious and generous with your time, yourself included, where, you know, we just say, hey, we would love to pick your brain about something, you know, can you help us? And I think sometimes people are so afraid that they don't just do that one little step. Mm -hmm. They feel like it needs to be like over email, done perfectly, worded mm -hmm. just right and all that. And a lot of times it's just like just doing it, you know, just sending the email. That's the first step. And if it is about the first time, I know Lauren and I, if we looked back at what we were doing two years ago, we would laugh. I mean, you know, even. Oh, yeah. Present over perfect, and we don't embarrass easily. So that <laughs> you know, we're yeah, all like, David on our team. Says, Good thing y'all don't embarrass easily. I'm like, truly, you know, like that would really be tough for us if we did. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I think the more you do it too, the better you get at you know perfecting your little elevator speech, um, or tailoring you know what who you are and what you do to the specific outlet or person you're reaching out to. Um, you know, I would never recommend sending like a blanket email to all the editors that you have on your radar. Like I would really 
recommend personalizing it, even if it's just one sentence to let them know, you know, like, hey, I really like what you're doing in, um, you know, the magazine because of this, or I read this recent story and I thought my story might be a fit because of this, you know, just that, that tiny bit of personalization really goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, I say, so another question I have is, so somebody, you can make these pitches personally, we, you know, you're building your business. At what point does it make sense to then outsource that? Because I know Lauren and I've run into where it's hard to, you know, get somebody else on board with our mission. It's hard to let someone else pitch on our behalf. We feel like it comes across obviously more genuine and sincere if we're the ones doing it. But I do know at some point, you know, it's really awesome to be able to hire somebody that can handle that for you. At what point does somebody need to think about that? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I would say, you know, don't hire PR right off the bat when you're first getting started. If you can commit one to two hours a week to trying to do a little bit of it yourself, I would highly recommend starting there and starting with your local media. You know, if you're a small business and you want to say, do an outreach to one local TV station, one local newspaper, or maybe like a regional website or something like that make that your goal for the month to reach out to those three people with three different emails and see what you can accomplish. Um, you don't have to, you know, think about your coverage as being buildable. And I think that local coverage is extremely like overlooked and really important because kind of once you lay the foundation of getting coverage, like, okay, other national editors are going to see, okay, this person is already like well-regarded in their local community for what they're doing. So, you know, this almost like legitimizes your business and, and makes them be more open to considering you, um, you know, to, to speak to your point about like, when is it time to hire someone else to do your PR? Um, I would say it's after you've gotten at least a few placements under your belt, like locally or regionally, um, maybe even nationally, depending on how, you know, lucky or you get with your timing. Um, keeping in mind that, you know, the average PR retainer might cost, you know, minimum 3000 a month. I mean, if you hire a bigger agency, it can be much higher than that. So just thinking about, you know, like, what do you think your return on investment will be? Um, I, I would say you really need to have a smart strategy in place and really be clear about what publications you want to be in and a, and a clear reason why. Um, you know, whether that's driving awareness of your business, whether that's establishing you as a thought leader, whether that's selling more of a particular product through an e-com story or like a, a gift guide feature or something like that. Um, I think you have to be prepared to really think through like why you want the media coverage and where your audience or those prospective buyers or listeners are are reading, hanging out um, before you really take that step to hire PR. Mm-hmm. We also found, and this is just our personal story, that the more we pitched locally, because our local community was so good to us, like they just really embraced the wealth edit, and that was a great thing. Um, But it also helped Emily and I get our story down. So I think that just the practice of it before you hire um, then can help you if you hire someone later to make sure that they understand your vision, mission, values, what you want to accomplish. Um, I think we would we would be better off now at, and moving forward hiring someone if since we have already done this pitch, like we've done this before a little bit. So, um, exactly. you know, that, yeah, that's just a thought. But um, I would say to you, like, would... oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you. 
I would say too, like be in a place where you have some good media assets ready to go. So whether you have, you know, like a brand video or, you know, nice headshots or professional photography of your storefront or your products or whatever it might be, you really need to have those assets that PR can easily access, you know, in a, in, a, in one folder and they can easily share those with media and start having what they need to get you into these publications because you never want to be in a position where, you know, you have a publicist and she's like, oh, I have an opportunity for you to be featured in, you know, El Decor. And then you don't have any photos of what they need. And then that kind of, you know, that makes the PR person look bad to the editor. It makes the business look bad <laughs> to the editor. So um, being prepared with those assets and like that practicing your message, like you said, is really key. Well, that was my next well, question. It was, oh, oh, we have a little delay here, so I apologize. Um, but I guess that was my next question, just to build on that, was what are those assets? Like, what do you see um, are the most important pieces to have ready and available? I know great headshots, I know like current up-to-date headshots, but as far as PR, um, I know more is not always better. So what are like the key pieces that need to be included? Yeah, it really depends on the outlet and the type of business you have. But I would say if you're the type of business that, you know, is suitable for a TV segment, you really need to have B-roll available. So for instance, I have a friend who does PR and she has a client that um, is a cotton company here in Alabama and they are a farm and they produce sheets and blankets and robes and things like that. But they have a ton of assets on file of like, their factory, like their farm, how the agriculture behind it works, um, the process of making these sheets, like how they do the cotton, all of those things. And they've already pre-shot that. And they have had so much success with getting TV segments because they have that ready to go. Because, you know, in today's world, it, maybe it used to be where, say you were able to land like a national, you know, one minute segment on national TV, maybe they would fly a reporter out there to do original reporting and a camera person. It just doesn't work like that anymore. They they may do that, but a lot of times the interviews will be, you know, done via Zoom and then they'll rely on the business to provide the B-roll to actually, you know, do the footage for the segment. So being able to have things like that, um, especially if you're in like a more rural area that's not like New York, LA, Chicago, things like that, um, I think is really important. And at minimum, you know, if you're if you're selling products, I would say make sure you have a mix of straight product shots shot on a white background as well as some lifestyle shots because editors are usually always asking for both of those. If it's an e-com, you know, story like say the best gifts for Mother's Day or you know like our ten favorite bathtubs to to buy this year for your new home or things like that, um, it just you'll have more options for editorial if you have more photo options for them to like lay it out in different ways, whether it's print or digital. So, um, you know, product shots are very important. I would say headshots in general are great to have, like, and not a lot of publications use it unless it's like a feature story on the founders or something like that, but, but good to include anyways. And I also think just like a fact sheet about your company that includes, you know, city and state where it was founded, a little background on the founders, what year it was founded, what you do, um, be very clear and like to the point about those things. I see so many, you know, pitches come across where it's kind of like fluffy marketing language and it leaves me asking like, okay, but what does your business actually do? And it the more clear you can make it, like if you're explaining it to 
a fourth grader? Like, what do you actually do? Like put it in those terms um, on your fact sheet to really like make it easy to understand exactly who you are and what you do. This is going back to like ease of working with editors. The biggest secret that I did not know, and I think a lot of us, I'm over 40 and so is Emily, but for the, this is for the over 35 crowd. If you could just give us like two or three minutes on how editors use affiliate links or like how to set yourself up for digital success as a founder, that would be helpful because that was life-changing information for us that we just did not know. And I ask all of my female business owners over 40, none of them know it. So it would just be awesome sure. to clue everybody in. Yeah. So I would say in the past two years, this has become a critical and like huge part of digital media that wasn't really in the picture much before that. So basically if you're, you know, reading digital stories and you're seeing things like, you know, holiday gift guide for sisters or, you know, the best products to shop in this category or best gifts for babies or whatever it might be. And you click on one of those links, you'll see that it's usually a really long URL. Well, that means that that product that you clicked on is part of an affiliate network and that means that that publication, which is featuring that product, is getting a kickback or percentage of sales from a sale of that product from a reader. So, you know, say they might have a roundup of 50 different products and all of them are affiliate links. You know, they have the potential to earn a lot of commission, whether that that might range from 5% of a product to, you know, 25%, just depending on what it is, the price point and all of that. Um, so to get a foundational understanding of this, I'd recommend checking out, um, the resources on shareasale.com, which is like one of the biggest affiliate publishers, publishing platforms out there that most of the major publishers like Dot Dash Meredith and Hearst, which own a huge number of magazines now, um, utilize for all of their titles. Um, they have things like webinars, blogs, like getting started resources. Um, and we do as well in Pitchcraft, kind of like an onboarding to e-commerce, why you need to be on it, like why this is important. Um, Skim Links is another one. That is another tool that kind of connects platforms like ShareSale to your website and kind of helps them talk to each other to work out the whole affiliate piece of it. Um, you know, a conversation about that is like much more <laughs> technical than I am getting now, but um, the key part to know is just that like editors are now not only tasked with editorial, but also earning revenue for their magazine, which is a business. And I think people forget about that. So um, when they're building these editorial lists of products, like, yes, the fact that they actually like these products and have tried them or tasted them or tested them, whatever is important. But I would say equally as important now is the, is whether they're on an affiliate platform and you're going to have a much better chance of getting included in those e-com roundup stories with a link to your website to buy the product if you are on one than if you are not. Um, the spaces for non-affiliate program products are still there, but I would say, you know, 90% of stories um, published on these sites do contain products with affiliate links. So it is really, really important to at least look into it and consider you know, what the ROI could be for your brand. It, it does cost money to get onboarded with some of those. And then there's also the maintenance of it, whether you want to take that on yourself or hire someone who is a, you know, performance PR um, agency to help you manage it. But in the long run, I think it really ends up being worth it just because you have so much more potential for placements if you're on one. Mm -hmm. Thank I, you so much. Yeah, I mean, that's so helpful. And, I, you know, again, Lauren and I, 
heard this, we had wonderful people that were like, Hey, you might want to think about this. And I want to bring that back around just like for this PR conversation, just don't be afraid to ask somebody, like reach out to somebody that you think is doing it well. I mean, and ask. And oftentimes for those of us who are over 40, perhaps it would be wise to reach out to someone who's younger than you that might be, you know, more up to speed on what's happening from a technology standpoint, because a lot of this mm -hmm. is learning how to navigate the different platforms and, you know, when to use what. And so like Lauren and I, you know, we were able to reach out to some others who, um, we're, we knew we we're doing it well. And we just said, how do you do this? And they were mm -hmm. a wonderful wealth of knowledge um, for us. And we're always so appreciative. I just am always blown away by how kind people are. So, you know, going back to pitchcraft, I mean, I know a lot of this can be learned um, by being a part of pitchcraft. So um, tell us a little bit about just kind of, I know you, you touched on this, but so you're you're having, you know, meetups where you're creating that community, which I know Lauren and I just so respect those that build community. Well, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do. Um, but you also have the courses on there. So what are some of the things, I know affiliate links, what are some other things that you cover? And then how can people yeah. find Pitchcraft? What does that look like if you want to get involved? Sure. Well, thank you for asking. So kind of our core content within Pitchcraft is we have weekly interviews with freelance writers um, that, you know, are a big piece of the editorial puzzle these days because they contribute a vast majority of the content you see on these national um, magazine websites and print publications as well. So we introduce you to one freelance writer a, a week and you really get to know them personally and you're able to pitch them. Um, we have Friday calls with just our members where it's really the community building aspect of things. If, you know, someone were to come on and say, Hey, like I'm really struggling with pitching myself in this way, or I don't know a contact here, or I'm not getting through to this publication. It's kind of a collective brainstorm, um, where our community, you know, helps everybody out and is very collaborative. Um, we have monthly pop-up discussions, which are really fun. We have usually three or four editors from different types of publications or different, um, TV stations, um, podcasts, um, digital print publications, all kinds of things. And you really get to hear straight from the editors, what they're looking for and be on camera with them, like introduce yourself, like kind of plant that seed of a relationship and be able to pitch them afterward. Um, and we also have a big e-commerce masterclass on there. So we do, regular interviews with editors um, who share like exactly how to pitch them. And we, we bring them on from all different types of websites and publications that run e-commerce content. Um, so if you have a product or, you know, you're a store or something like that, and really looking to get your items like shoppable on more websites, that is a really great resource. Um, and then we also have a, a really big editorial calendar. So uh, many of you will know that publications and websites will put out kind of a calendar in advance for the year, kind of outlining what topics and issues there will be covering different themes. And it's really hard to manage those and navigate like who's doing what at what time. And so we've put those all into an easy to use calendar that you can sync with your own calendar and just serves as a good reminder um, of you know, where you can be pitching. So, you know, just to use the wealth data as an example, um, you could search um you know, publications that cover like business and finance within our platform. And it would bring up a whole bunch of different things for upcoming publications you can pitch that have stories on those topics. 
it would bring up a, a database of over 300 publications that cover that um, particular topic, um, writers, editors in our database that, um, you know, are, are focused on writing about that topic. So just kind of like an endless way to like discover new people, new publications, new editors to pitch. Um, so that's kind of the bulk of our platform. It's super easy to use. And we do have some small business owners that are part of it as well. And we're going to be launching a new um, kind of a new track for small business owners specifically who are brand new to PR later this year. And that will kind of get you up to speed on, you know, the basics of how publications work, e-com, um, what you need to know about pitching yourself, um, answering that question, you know, when do you need to hire PR um, and, you know, specific milestones to hit and kind of hold you accountable to your goals in terms of getting serious about press coverage and what that can do for your business. So, um, so we're excited about that and you can find more about it at, pitchcraft.kelseyogletree.com. Kelsey, do you do all of that yourself? That is amazing. <laughs> uh, well, no. So, so my husband and I co-founded this company. Um, his background was in finance and uh, we came together to found this and work together full time. And then we have a couple other people who work with us on the development and operations side um, and probably going to be growing our team this year as we have expanded to have so many members. But, um, but yeah, it's a, it's busy, but I love it and very passionate about this stuff. And people can always reach out to me directly too. Um, I'm at Kelsey at pitchcraft.media and I love connecting people to others who can help them, especially. So um, if you reached out to me and I don't have the answer, I would love to put you in touch with someone I know who does. Well, I love that. You have always been so gracious with us and you have built something really special and we just can't wait to see where it goes next. And so thank you for being on the Wealth Edit podcast. It, it's very meaningful to share this information with other, you know, female entrepreneurs from across the Southeast and really now across the United States. So our last question that we ask everyone is why you said yes to the Wealth Edit. That's a great question. I just think it's really important for women to have these candid conversations about how they run their business and share knowledge with each other. I mean, we can't all know everything about every aspect of this. And, um, you know, I think PR and marketing is just one side of, you know, one tiny piece of running a small business um, or a large business that, so I think as much as we can bring on and network with people who are experts in certain fields and really absorb that knowledge from them, um, you know, a lot of times we get sucked into our emails and our day-to-day -day tasks, but just taking that time to learn and listen to others and kind of absorb anything else that they have to share that they're an expert on, I think is really important. And I know I love listening to your podcast to hear other guests um, and really learn from them. And so it's just an honor to be featured and um, excited to continue to see all of your content too. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey. We really appreciate it. And um, we love just your commitment to community and education because as we say at the wealth that you know oftentimes it's just learning the vocabulary and and being open to talk about things I think we as women learn so well from each other um and so we thank you and just are excited to see what what y'all do next and I, I think the idea of the um the small business owner the new business owner is wonderful so I can't wait to see that so thank you so much for being here and um, we will talk to you soon. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you want to learn more about our website, please check us out at www.wealthedit.com. 
The Wealth Edit is an online membership-based community for women looking to confidently discuss and expand their knowledge of personal finance. Our community provides a space for women of all ages to gather, learn, and plan their financial journey through virtual courses, weekly guest speakers, and educational content.